It's uh, December 30th, and gathered here today with three members of CARN, which is the Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods. We have Jane Scott, Peter Harris, and Kareem Mintz, and my name is Bill Templeman. Now, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods has a tagline, and that, that is, good neighbors don't make radioactive pellets here in Peterborough. So, for starters... I just know what CARN stands for. Could you tell me a bit more about the organization and what your objectives are? Uh, we're a group of citizens um, that uh, many of us live in the area, and many of us have had children go to Prince of Wales School. We are very concerned that uh, this license application will result in manufacture of pellet in Peterborough which is something that has never happened here before. And this process carries with it risks that we've never had in Peterborough before, uh, including risks from uranium oxide dust contaminating our neighborhoods. Is this standard practice in the nuclear industry to make components of fuel rods in residential areas? I've, I've done some research, and I haven't been able to find any examples where licensing allows uh, manufacture of pellets in residential areas, uh, with one exception, and that is in Japan. Japan has a nuclear regulator that by most accounts is a failed regulator, uh, with Fukushima being an example of how it failed its citizens. Uh, in Japan, they have um, a, a GE um, manufacturing, a GE Hitachi manufacturing site in a mixed-use area, like it is in Peterborough, like it is in Toronto. So other than that, around the world, I haven't been able to find any other examples. This seems to be a real outlier as far as regulation goes. There doesn't appear to be any other regulator in the world that is so casual about licensing uh, pellets and pelleting manufacturing uh, anywhere in the world that I've been able to find. Right, yes, please, Corrine. So I'm just going to go back to Karn and uh, how we began. So here in, Peter- here in Peterborough, we have, we have had historically um, GE Hitachi located uh, in the downtown area across from Prince of Wales School. Um, and recently, in the last years, they've been taken over by BWXT NEC, so which is the Canadian branch of BWXT. They are just in the process of applying for a 10-year license. They originally took over the license that GE had here in Peterborough, and now they're applying for uh, a new 10-year license. And when they did this application, I I found out about it about a year ago, uh, when this application process began, they were trying to make it sound like it was business as usual. Already, GE and BWXT have been allowed to assemble fuel rods here in Peterborough. They've been allowed to to take the pellets that are already formed, that, that are shipped into Peterborough, put them into fuel rods, and then those fuel rods would go out to um, the nuclear reactors that, that need them. They've also, as well in their past licenses, been able to work on contaminated equipment here in Peterborough so they can repair contaminated equipment. Whether they're actively doing that or not right this moment is we're not really 100% sure, but uh, they, they are able to do that. So this addition to their 10-year license um, that's coming up that they're trying to get approved by the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission is really, as Peter was mentioning, a, a really 
big deal. Like now, instead of getting those pellets, which have, are right now being produced in Toronto, actually in a residential area, so that's what GE Hitachi and now BWXT, that the other, the only other example other than Japan is, is in Toronto where they are, are producing, uh, pellets right in a residential area and... Why don't they keep on producing them in Toronto? Why the move? And how did the Toronto operation work? I mean, is Toronto tossing them out or? I think originally uh, they began in the 60s in Toronto, and it was it wasn't a residential area at that time. It oh, was an industrial okay. area, and probably the city, you know, just wasn't in that area. And it would have perhaps been similar here when GE began in Peterborough. Probably sure. there weren't that many residences around their facility, but now it's completely surrounded by people's living living spaces and right. and, and, a, and a couple schools actually, a couple elementary schools. I would point out that the school actually predates GE Itachi. Uh, the school yes. was there oh, before GE Itachi showed up. Yeah, yeah, the school is much older. Yeah. And just to give people uh, an idea of perspective here, if you're driving south on Monaghan, past the Prince of Wales Public School, you immediately come upon a building on your left that is GE Itachi, now BWXT. So it's just 25 meters away from the junior playground uh, Prince of Wales School, where they want to start manufacturing pellets, which is crazy, uh, we all think, and uh, we hope your listeners feel the same <laughs> way we do. Now, my understanding, and correct me here, is that the public has until January 27th to put forward their feeling, their ideas, their objections to this plan, and after that, it's like last call at the bar, the bar is closed, and if this license goes through, then that's it for 10 years, barring uh, you know, civil unrest and occupation. I mean, Even civil unrest and occupation may not be super uh, useful once this license is granted. So this is really a, an incredible opportunity right. for us to be heard and for all the people who are concerned to be heard here uh, in Peterborough. You had asked why they're not pelleting in Toronto, and we, we don't really exactly, why they, why they might consider moving their pelleting operation from Peterborough to, from Toronto to Peterborough. And we don't know for certain, but certainly the economic situation in the area that they're working out of right now in Toronto has really changed the demographic and the people around that area. Have, have really changed over the years. So there, there may be public outcry that people mm-hmm. don't want it there anymore. Also, I imagine that it would be cheaper to operate here in Peterborough than it would be to continue operating in Toronto. But I, I, we don't, we don't sure. know for certain. They haven't told us. And mm-hmm. to this day, they, BWXT will say that they're not planning to move their pelleting facility here. But when we have talked to the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, they have assured us that Yes, that is is the plan. So the, these businesses don't operate in a one to two year window. They operate in a five to ten year window. Pickering is closing in 2024, so that means that BWXT will lose 50 percent of its market. Um, so in losing 50 percent of its market, it's probably going to be looking for economies. And our speculation is that it's at that point that they'll want to move the pelleting operation to Peterborough. But they could actually do that. They have enough space in their license right now to do that in Peterborough, to take on the full production in Toronto, if they wanted to. They could do that.
This is the Pints and Politics podcast, posted January 9th, 2020. You're listening to a panel discussion with three members of CARN, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighbourhoods, in Peterborough, Ontario. The voices you'll hear are Jane Scott, Corrine Mintz, and Peter Harris. My name is Bill Templeman. I know certainly Peter and I think Karine, we've all presented at city council at some point in the past. You can visualize the city council, the council chambers and the 11 members of council and the mayor sitting there. I can imagine if we were presenting next Monday night and you were talking about this issue, there would be some councillors say, but what about the jobs? Peterborough needs jobs. How do you respond to that? Because that's true. Peterborough needs employers, and there they are. Uh, It wouldn't actually be very many more jobs, because there's only 50 uh, people, I think, employed at the Toronto facility, and a lot of those positions would be taken over um, by administration in Peterborough. And also, lots of the people maybe would travel with those jobs from Toronto, It just wouldn't be very many jobs. And we have to think about the health of the workers in the future. Lots of the workers that have worked at GEH in the past have spent the last 20 years of their lives with cancers, and they have not been adequately compensated by the industry. And that's even before pelleting is added to our already considerably polluted downtown core. Mm. Now, uh, at the public information session at Prince of Wales uh, in early December, I remember there were there were a few ex-employees of GE who told some pretty chilling stories. One chap got up and described he went down Wolf Street, which is right north of the plant, and he said, that household, so-and-so has died of cancer, that house, three family, and so on. There's this sort of a murderer's row, and it, it sounded horrific to you. Do you recall that? Certainly, this new documentary has come out um, about mm. the widows of GE yeah. workers. Uh, what's it called? The Town, Town of Widows. widows. Town. And it, it's, I have not, unfortunately, seen it yet, but I look forward to seeing it, the reframe, well, coming up at the end of the month, uh, at the end of January. And, yeah, they, they talk about many, 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 many people who worked at GE have have gotten cancer and many many of those people have passed away and and so we are already working with contaminated land and unsafe practices for workers and unfortunately when we think about these maybe potentially 30 new jobs in Peterborough we have to think about how much are those jobs going to cost us so we have children across the street who may be exposed to radioactive particles. We have all the neighborhoods. So if they were allowed, if BWXT were allowed to go ahead and pellet here in Peterborough, they would have to do soil testing for a two kilometer radius around their facility. So that's what the company itself and the Canadian, is the company? And the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission feel may be contaminated. By, by their process. So that's many, many people's homes and, and where we work and where we play and playgrounds for kids. Yeah, and, and so, and what will be the long term costs to the city, number one, to clean up that, that waste if, if the time ever comes or that pollution, uh, if that time comes? And what will be the healthcare costs for all these people who will have some type of exposure, even with uh, BWXT and the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission's 
own data, they show that that the there will be an increase in radioactive particles coming out of of that facility. They they say that the levels are safe, but worldwide doctors and activists are saying that there is no safe level of of radiation exposure. Period. So. Sure. There, there just isn't a safe level. Then, of course, there's this issue of uh, real estate values. Just to point out to you, um, the area around Lansdowne, BWXT in Toronto, is. Um, I did a little research there, and it's amongst the lowest real estate values in Toronto. That's any indication. Right. You know. uh, going back to your original question around leadership, uh, I think leaders, uh, community leaders in the city need to realize that they failed uh, this city in the past with respect to speaking up for the workers and I'm hoping that they have the foresight now to speak up and voice their opposition to this um, application. It's very, very, very important that we get our leadership now, not later. Um, Because once that license is in place, we're cooked. We are going to see pelleting in Peterborough, and in all likelihood, we'll see also an application for low-enriched uranium to be manufactured in this city, because this province is championing uh, low, uh, uh, small nuclear reactors, and yes. those small nuclear reactors used enriched uranium. So BWT is a, is a company. It knows what its current market is. It's projecting what its future market is going to be, and small nuclear reactors in all likelihood are a part of their picture. So Peterburians should expect not only to manufacture pellets in Peterborough, but also to accept enriched uranium into this facility, into the downtown region of of Peterborough, right across from a public school, we should also expect that manufacturing to include enriched uranium. Yeah, and the thing is, is in the United States, BWXT has been charged for violating safety protocols on around the handling of dangerous nuclear substances, and they've had fired, they've been fined, and we don't want that for Peterborough. Now, so far we've been talking about the dangers of radiation and nuclear fuel and so on. I have been told that another danger that hasn't had much airtime so far is the storage of liquid hydrogen on the plant site. So there's some nifty video footage of hydrogen exploding at Fukushima uh, with the reactors blowing sky high. So that's an example right. of how hydrogen can, can, can explode. It's an explosive gas. It will dissipate fairly quickly. Um, it's, a, it's a very low mass element, so it, it'll dissipate quickly, but there are circumstances in which it becomes uh, very dangerous, and uh, there are a number of examples of explosions of hydrogen gas, including one at a coal-powered power station in the United States, which had massive amounts of uh, damage. And this is an issue because you've got powdered uranium right next to the hydrogen, liquid hydrogen that's being stored. The quantity of liquid hydrogen is 9,000 gallons, which translates into about... Uh, 30 million liters of hydrogen gas at room temperature and uh, one atmosphere of pressure. So if you have a spark or a circumstance where that um, hydrogen is being released into the environment and it, it happens to be in contained, they use pipes to bring it into the building, and so it's therefore contained. If you have an explosion of that gas adjacent to uranium dioxide powder, the, the mess it could create would be absolutely cataclysmic. And I don't understand 
why this hasn't been on the, the, uh, the horizon um, in, in, in the focus of, of citizens in Toronto because it would create a, just an absolute colossal mess if the uranium oxide powder were exposed to exploding hydrogen. It, it would uh, spread all over uh, that region of Toronto and it would be just a huge, huge, huge disaster. And why you, you've got a million square kilometers of land in this province. <laughs> the, the, the question is why have you chosen a few acres in downtown Peterborough or a few acres in downtown Toronto? It's daft. It's stupid. It's putting people in harm's way. So there's two things I'd just like to clarify. So right now, that hydrogen tank is needed for the pelleting in Toronto. So that's, that's where we're getting this example of this hydrogen tank. It's in the Tor- at the Toronto pelleting facility that exists there now. And if they were, it's hard to imagine BWXT pelleting here in Peterborough without needing a similar tank or possibly a larger tank of hydrogen gas for the pelleting process here. And then the second thing you were saying, I don't know, it's gone, but I I did want to mention as well that under the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission guidelines, the companies are able to put uranium into our water system. They're able, so they're, when... From the process that they do of making the pellets, uh, quite a lot of water is used, and that water will then go into the sewer system, into the autonomy, into Little Lake, and then off into all the surrounding lakes from here. And Untreated? Uh, Untreated. They treat it, they, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they uh, filter it and stuff, but, but still, it, it's but like much more. The, um, the Safety Commission, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, is responsible for setting standards, and it's standard for the amount of... Uranium uh, that can be released into the water, uh, sub- water, the affluent uh, uh, in Toronto is 9,000 kilograms, which is about the of uranium. Of uranium. 9,000 kilograms of, of uranium, uranium. Mm-hmm. into the yeah. sewer yeah. every year. Every year. It's not just like yeah. overall, that's every year. So the, mm. the interesting thing is that BWXT doesn't even come close to meeting that amount, but it has this massive license, so a license to pollute in, in, in essence. So if that license were carried into Peterborough, where we have smaller water flows, smaller affluent, less affluent going through our sewage treatment plants, if that 9,000 kilograms is brought here, it would mean very significant, uh, have a very significant impact in, on Rice Lake, on uh, all those communities that are down, downstream from Peterborough. So the joke here is that this is the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission. It's there to establish limits, and it's obviously established a limit which is is completely ridiculous. It's not even close to being realistic. This is the Pints and Politics podcast, posted January 9th, 2020. You're listening to a panel discussion with three members of CARN, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighbourhoods, in Peterborough, Ontario. The voices you'll hear are Jane Scott, Corrine Mintz, and Peter Harris. My name is Bill Templeman. Now, if I put on my uh, facade as a belligerent city councillor, I would at this point say, now, uh, Ms. Scott, uh, Ms. Mintz, Mr. Harris, do, do any of you have degrees in nuclear physics? No. Uh, no. And then I'd say something that, well, my understanding of the literature is this is about as dangerous as living next door to a gas station. Are you advocating that everyone move 
if they are living next door to a gas station in Peterborough. No, but we are advocating that if they need to test within a two-kilometer radius for contamination, that they should choose a site that has a good two-kilometer radius around it so that there is no chance of contaminating people in their homes and uh, and the land around around the facility. And, and so do, we, do we have any baselines in terms of cancer rates or radiation levels from public health now? Because if we're going to make a claim to the uh, Nuclear Safety Commission, what do we have to compare to? Well, I did some, I looked into this a little bit, and lots of cancers are higher in Peterborough than they are elsewhere, but the problem is, is there hasn't been dedicated epidemiological studies around these facilities, because there's not the, you know, there's not the will by government. It's almost against their, you know, what they want. Now, uh, cancers are higher in Peterborough. Yeah, higher than the Ontario average. Now, do we know why? No. And I saw that in the paper years ago, and that's been confirmed more recently, yeah, that Peterborough does have a higher rate of certain cancers. And no, no, I don't know if anyone's looked into exactly why that would be, but it, it seems obvious to me, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, even by the company's own estimates, the public dosage of radiation would be 10.44 microsieverts compared to Darlington's 0.7. Microsieverts, so way much, much, much higher than a nuclear power plant in 2017. And and to make that point again about an exclusion zone around a nuclear power plant, there is space around it that people should not be living in, and so we would be exposed to a lot more than if we were living near a nuclear power plant. Yet we wouldn't have that exclusion zone uh, around around the facility. I mean, it's it's right there in the middle of the. The neighborhood. Indeed. To go yeah. back, back to your point about a gas station, you know, would you be concerned living around a gas station? Absolutely, I would. You don't want to introduce risk where there is none currently, and that's exactly what BWXT is doing. They they want to introduce a risk that currently doesn't exist in Peterborough. So the question is, with all the free space in this province, with all the vacant land that we have, why are you choosing downtown Peterborough? Why is this the site that you've chosen? And the answer is the CNSC and the licensing procedure. So we are being grandfathered into this license. Uh, we're stuck uh, with this license right now in Peterborough. And because of that, BWXT wants to transfer the license to Peterborough from Toronto. So it's, it's not through common sense that Peterborough is being chosen. It's not that we have any advantages as a manufacturing site. It's because that license exists in Peterborough currently. And if that isn't a stupid reason, I don't know what is. So this is just a because, because, because. Just to continue uh, sure. that uh, gas station analogy for a moment, would, 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 they even be, would, would anyone be legally allowed to put a gas station beside a primary school? I don't think that the city would. So, you know... But if we're making that analogy, whether it's a nuclear power plant or a, or a gas station, or sorry, a nuclear pelleting facility or a, a gas station, it shouldn't be located in, in this location. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that nuclear substances are way more dangerous than a gas station. I mean, one inhaled speck of dust from that factory 
is a type 1 carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. When it gets into your body, it can stay in there for up to 10 years, according to the, well, over 10 years, according to the Royal Society. And, and it's insoluble. So it stays there for a really long time. The particles are really, really small. They can end up anywhere in your body. Because uranium can bond to DNA, public dose is even kind of irrelevant. I mean, it's through cell studies and stuff. It's been shown to go to germ cells, and there's epidemiological evidence that it causes birth defects and all sorts of other problems. Now, have there been any precedents in... in I guess Japan, in Europe, where citizens have come together uh, and stopped the development of any sort of nuclear facility. What, what's gone on elsewhere? Well, they're closing down nuclear facilities and power plants all over Europe because they've seen, you know, what Chernobyl did. And they take it very seriously because their land and they know their food is still contaminated. Whereas over here, we've got this captured regulator and we're a big exporter of uranium. So it's like the tar sands all over again. Except for we're, you know, we're contaminating future generations. I don't want to call the following the green argument because uh, there are environmentalists who would uh, throw things at me, but there are those who say, look, we're going, we, we have to get off fossil fuels. The uh, alternative uh, energy generators, such as solar and wind, aren't quite up to snuff yet. We need to bridge, and nuclear is the bridge. We can't. We well, can, okay. <laughs> I think we can all answer that. We well, can. I mean, we could just use hydro imports from Quebec right now. It's like a yeah. great big battery sitting right there. And there's a false dichotomy between um, that we need nuclear or uh, fossil fuels. It's ridiculous. It's too expensive. It takes too long to produce, and even people like even like all sorts of. Well, then we're not even talking about decommissioning and waste. You know, nuclear. I don't know the numbers exactly, but my impression, which when you look at the mining to the production of the pellets to the rods to into the nuclear facilities, and then taking care of that waste for the foreseeable future, like a million years. You know, there there's nothing economically sound about it. There's nothing environmental about it, and and there's nothing logical about it. The fact that we're in this situation is completely illogical. The government gives out billions of dollars to the nuclear industry constantly. If that money was being put into green energy, we would be 20 steps ahead, 30 steps, 100 steps ahead than we are uh, uh, creating actually clean energy. When the nuclear industry uses the um, euphemism of of nuclear energy being clean energy, they're not talking about the mining, they're not talking about the decommissioning, they're not talking about the storage of the waste, and of course there's nothing clean or green about it. It, it makes no sense at all. I don't. I, I honestly don't even know how we we got to this position where where we're relying on nuclear energy. Um, Peterborough's grid is actually quite green. Uh, we have one of the greenest grids in the province. Oh, because uh, of our hydro. Because of our hydro and mm-hmm. because of our solar farm. So we have mm-hmm. paid the price already to make our grid relatively green. 
But we're being asked to manufacture nuclear pellets and support a nuclear process, in spite of the fact that our grid is already quite green. We're, we're doing our part already. We shouldn't have to uh, accept these pellets in Peterborough on the part of the rest of the province, I don't think, in order that you know, they have nuclear power. I, I know it's a bit of not-in-my-backyard-ism, but uh, that's the way it is. Uh, we have a very green grid in, in this city, and I think you know, it'd be, it's beholden to other cities like Toronto to have a greener grid, you know, rather than looking to other communities to support their nuclear power habit. Okay, and this brings us to the end of part one.